The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Now, I don't think we should really be calling this one an Explorers Podcast, but we do have a geologist with us today, Dr. Francis Fardine. He is the founder, MD, and CEO of Vulcan Energy, ASX code VUL. And the reason I said we shouldn't probably be calling this uh, the Explorers Podcast is because it comes with a $8.12 share price at the moment for a market cap of $1.06 billion. So there's obviously a bit of excitement behind this one, and it's all around zero carbon lithium uh, with a project in Germany that uh, takes uh, hot lithium, lithium brines and not only harnesses that for geothermal energy, but also obviously to produce lithium hydroxide at the end. That's the plan, and the companies have been flat chat working towards that. So we won't mess around because we've got a lot to talk about today. So with that, I'll say good day, Francis. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, hi, Barry. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on. Right. Now, Francis, uh, an interesting one here. Um, zero carbon lithium, even trademarked, I see, um, because it's an unusual one. We used to either hard rock out of uh, WA going off to China or lithium brines out of South uh, South America. But tell us a, a bit about the underlying resource with this project you've got in uh, in Germany. Yeah, thanks, Barry. So I'm, I'm actually a geologist by background, as you said, and I actually come from a background of uh, discovering and developing those hard rock lithium resources in WA that you mentioned. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, I mean, we need all the lithium we can get at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's obviously going to the Chinese market. For the European market, um, uh, the market is chronically undersupplied at the moment. Europe um, is the fastest growing lithium market in the world, but has no domestic production of lithium chemicals. And as a consumer of lithium hydroxide, is 90% reliant on the Chinese markets to, um, to supply it. So that was a, a big driver of us setting up Vulcan. The other aspect is lithium actually has quite a high carbon footprint at the moment um, in terms of the production, particularly hard rock processing to lithium hydroxide in China. Um, so really that was a big driver of setting up Vulcan was to develop a zero carbon lithium project um, to service the market in Europe, which you know the, the major OEMs are looking for products um, produced with net zero carbon footprints to go into their batteries, to go into the EVs. And um, what we've ended up with, um, we, we started in 2018, we, we've defined um, in the Upper Rhine Valley geothermal um, lithium brine field, which is a deep, um, sort of uh, plus two kilometers deep geothermal brine field that is producing at the moment. We've defined um, in our license areas, um, in just three of our 11 license areas, actually, Europe's largest lithium resource by quite a large margin. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're intending to do is, um, using existing wells that we have, um, existing producing wells and additional uh, producers that we're going to be drilling. We aim to produce um, geothermal energy, geothermal heats, geothermal power. Um, We're already producing geothermal power, but we're going to be producing a lot more, hopefully, by pumping this hot brine up to the surface. And then before we re-inject the brine, which is what we're currently doing, we'll be diverting it through a um, absorption plant where it contacts 
um, an alumina-based sorbent that takes the lithium out of the brine. Um, we basically recover, you know, plus 90% um, of the lithium in chloride form. Um, we re-inject the brine minus the lithium. Um, and then we uh, upgrade that lithium chloride to lithium hydroxide product. And throughout this process, we've designed the process from the ground up to be zero fossil fuels, yeah. which is the first of its kind in the world. And it basically harnesses the heat, um, the energy from the geothermal brine to drive the process. Um, so hence zero carbon lithium, it actually has a net negative carbon uh, footprint because we are producing more renewable energy than we consume. So we're selling uh, renewable energy to the grid um, uh, and that results in a net negative um, footprint. But we, for simplicity's sake, we call it the zero carbon lithium uh, project. Um, So that's it in a nutshell. And we're, um, as I said, we're already producing geothermal energy. Um, We'll be producing geothermal, hopefully on a much larger scale um, by late 24, and then um, uh, also entering into commercial lithium production by late 2024, um, scaling up from there, sort of 2025 and beyond. Yeah, okay. So you've got the, this uh, big renewable uh, heat source. What about the grade and the flow rates from uh, the field? So it's quite high grade for a geothermal brine. So geothermal brines typically sort of 1 to 10 milligrams um, per litre lithium. Right. Uh, this one is just under 200 milligrams, so it's about 180 milligrams um, per litre lithium. Um, that's in the same order of magnitude as a, a commercial um, South American solar type lithium deposit, but it, it is it is on the lower grade of the spectrum. So typically a commercial um, uh, deposit in South America would be um, sort of about 400, 500 milligrams per litre lithium. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference in this case is we have heat embodied within the brine. Right. Um, so that heat drives down our production costs because it means that we're able to use techniques like absorption, which need the brine to be heated up. In South America, absorption is used, but we understand that they use gas to heat up the brine. Our brine comes preheated. So because of that embodied energy within the brine, we can operate at, um, at lower, um, lower grades. Um, we also don't need evaporation ponds like you, uh, need in South America because we, once again, we use the heats to drive a force evaporation process and once again that um because you have an exponential capex increase um with lower grade brines in south america because of the, that need for evap ponds um we don't have that we're able to run a force evaporation with, with the heat so um we can operate at lower grades compared to those to those guys and in terms of flow rates um you've hit the nail on the head really. i mean that that's one of the main controllers of the economics of these projects um so we specifically chose the Upper Rhine Valley because it's hosted within this sandstone reservoir um, where you get existing faults in this graben system within the reservoir. And what that gives you is it gets naturally high flow rates if you target the fault zones. There's some really attractive looking granite hosted geothermal lithium deposits worldwide, mm-hmm. um, which have a lot of heat and a lot of lithium, but because they're hosted solely within the granite, they don't have the flow rates. So it's important to have the right rocks. You need flow rates, you need um, heat, and you need li- high lithium grades to make this kind of process work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in this particular region, geothermal um, power generation is uh, nothing new. And you mentioned that you've uh, actually got a plant yourself that's uh, producing at the moment. Yeah, that's right. So my, my co-founder of the company, Dr. Horst Kreuter, um, has been with the German geothermal industry since the beginning. So Vulcan was really the, the coming together of the geothermal world in Germany and sort of the lithium world from 
from Australia. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing new to them. They've been, they've been producing um, geothermal for many years now. In fact, Horst founded the first geothermal development company in Germany in 1999. Um, and the, the plant that we acquired late last year, the Insan plant, that's been operating successfully since 2012. So um, it's, it's very, very well established. It's nothing new under the sun. Mm. So whose idea was it to, uh, well, if the energy source is coming up in, in lithium brines, uh, let's uh, add a lithium plant to it. Who's, whose original idea was that? Well, I mean, it was my idea to set up Vulcan. Mm. Um, I, I think, I mean, you always stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, um, uh, you know, our, our CTO, Stephen Harrison, um, he has been working on extracting lithium from geothermal brands for, for many years now. He was the former CTO of Symbol, who looked at this in, in, um, uh, in the Salt Sea in California. Um, but I think what's unique about Vulcan is that um, we've taken a very strict approach from the beginning to exclude fossil fuels from our flow sheet. So mm. um, to exclusively use the geothermal um, energy. And that's, um, that's a, a unique selling point, And that's why we're uniquely um, uh, a zero carbon lithium project. Right. I had a look at a uh, presentation on the uh, website um, and I see the environmental footprint of uh, lithium produced from hard rock sources, 15 tonnes of uh, carbon dioxide and uh, brine sourced lithium in the Atacama Desert over in South America uh, consumes 470 cubic metres of water. So it's a bit incongruous, isn't it? Uh, you know, the green energy revolution, battery is very much a part of it, but currently... Uh, either quite energy intensive or uh, consuming a lot of water. Whereas you're, you're arguing this project, zero carbon lithium, is as green as you can get. That's right. I mean, to be clear, we're not we're not demonising other other projects or no. other methods. Um, you know, we, we we need all the lithium we can get. But um, I mean, particularly for the European market, I mean, it, to be honest, it, it doesn't make sense. And I think other you know uh, developers and producers have said this. It doesn't really make sense to produce lithium in Australia for the um, European market, particularly, you know, hard rock spodumene, it, it's not going to travel to Europe. Um, it's, it's a semi-bulk. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think, you know, the, the European market, particularly with uh, uh, focus on carbon footprint, they need other solutions. Um, and that's what we're, that's what we're focused on, on providing. So it's, it's lithium from Europe for Europe, essentially, um, with that uh, zero carbon uh, footprint that is specific, I think, to the European OEMs. Look, I mean, um, we, I, I drive an EV. Um, I know that the lithium hasn't come from a zero carbon source. E- even with that set up, there's still a much greener product than, Absolutely. Um, than a fossil fuel vehicle. But um, yeah, clearly, there's there's a better way of doing this, and that's what we're trying to that's what we're trying to achieve. Mm, okay, uh, Europe, of course, is uh, very much at the vanguard of the green energy revolution. And uh, if it wasn't COVID with supply issues, uh, now we have the Russian-Ukraine situation. Germany, of course, uh, 55% of its gas, I think, comes from Russia. Um, have they, uh, is geothermal part of their uh, strategy to reduce, um, well, in- improve their security supply of energy? Yeah, very much so. So geothermal has always been quite a niche um, space in Germany. It's been quite a small space um, in the renewable energy worlds um, of Germany compared to wind and solar. But I mean, you look at a country like Iceland, it's, you know, it's 100% geothermal. Mm. Um, Germany has huge potential. So the Upper Rhine Valley is, you know, the hottest part of Central Europe, um, where we are. And uniquely, uh, geothermal is able to um, provide a source of heating. 
And that's sort of the elephant in the room at the moment in terms of decarbonisation of energy supply, but also security of energy supply with um, obviously the recent tragic events in Ukraine. So this has really put, put geothermal up in lights. And um, a recent study, uh, which was commissioned by the German government, by the Fraunhofer Institute, showed that a quarter of Germany's heating needs could be provided by ge- geothermal. And that's quite timely because we basically, um, we've acquired a number of geothermal development and operational teams. We've acquired um, uh, the onshore rigs that we need to deploy this on a mass scale. So we really are gearing the team up to be the biggest developer of geothermal energy across Germany over the coming years. And um, I, I think it couldn't have come at a more opportune time. Mm, okay. Now, um, Europe uh, at large is uh, committing billions and billions of euros to the green energy revolution. Uh, does this does your project uh, uh, qualify for any particular uh, soft dollar loans going forward uh, once you get to the development stage? Um, we, we believe so. I mean, you know, these, these sort of uh, public funding schemes um, obviously take quite a bit of time to, um, to pursue and we're, we're moving very quickly towards development. So we can't, we can't sort of hang around and wait for public money. But um, uh, c- certainly um, we've got very vocal support from, uh, from the EU, from the German federal government, from state governments where we operate. Um, and we, we do expect to receive some assistance um, during the course of the project. When that arrives, I would be able to say, but um, uh, there's certainly a lot of support for us out there. Okay, I guess opportune time now to talk about the potential scale. There was a PFS uh, back in twenty, early 2021, uh, covering, I think it was 74 megawatts of power and 40,000 tonnes uh, per annum of uh, lithium hydroxide. Is that still roughly the scale of project we're looking at here? No, so what, what's happened since then is um, we've basically fully sold out of our lithium production for the first five years. So we've signed up um, with fully binding take up a lithium hydroxide offtake agreements, um, Volkswagen, Renault, Stellantis on the OEM side, LG Energy Solution on the battery side, and Umicore on the cathode side, all, all based in Europe. Yeah. Um, and out of those um, offtake agreements, what became apparent to us is we, if we produce more, um, the buyers will, will take it, basically. So we're, we're trying to, um, as part of our DFS, we're trying to sort of upscale our um, production plans. So um, we, we can't put an exact figure on that yet. Uh, it's probably going to be in, in the order of a plus 50%. Um, but we are aiming to produce more lithium hydroxide, um, and we're scaling up our production ambitions as, as part of that. Right. And as a result of that, would... Uh the geothermal power also increase? It will, yes. Um, and it's also likely to be more heating than, than power. Um, so power is sort of the fallback option, but we completed a heat offtake agreement to sell heating to uh, Germany's largest municipal energy supplier, MFAP Power, um, uh, a few weeks ago. And we, we, we hope that's the first of many across the region. So we're going to be executing more heat offtake agreements. Mm. Heating is lower capex for us um, and it's much more advantageous for local communities as well. So that's going to be a real focus area for us. Um, and yes, that, that total figure is likely to go up as well. It's also more efficient to produce heat because you lose you lose energy when you convert heat to power, obviously. So directly producing heat for local businesses, local communities is um, is a main focus for us. Mm, okay. And what's your, what your take on the uh, lithium market itself? I noticed in the PFS, there was, I think the assumed lithium hydroxide price was 15 thousand dollars a ton of course we're at 
what is it, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a ton at the moment. What uh, what do you see as a, a you know a long term sort of settling price for lithium going forward? Well, I, I mean, I'd say once we're in production, we will have a very low cost of production because um, we're, we're able to leverage off that freely available heat mm. within the brine. So in our PFS, um, we were looking at an OPEX of just over 3,000 US a tonne. Now that's obviously, that, that will change obviously because the world is very different from January 2021, but um, certainly we can be a very low cost producer. Um, however, I'd say that uh, where, where pricing is going to end up, I mean, we, we sort of follow just a consensus of um, industry analyst forecasts, um, and we obviously take our own view. I think we see it ending up somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand um, US dollars a ton. I think that's incentive pricing for a lot of other new projects coming on stream. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we sort of see it settling, which gives us quite a bit of upside, considering that we based our PFS metrics off of fourteen thousand nine hundred uh, US dollar a ton. So um, I, I think we can. We can pretty safely say it's going to be north of that um, as an assumption in the um, in the DFS. Yeah, and just to confirm, the uh, price you quoted there for lithium uh, cost of production was that did that include a revenue offset from the geothermal, or was that standalone sort of price? No, that's standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, when you include the revenue offset from the geothermal, I mean it it, it basically goes negative. Um, uh, so that that's that's a standalone lithium operation receiving um, the lithium-rich brine from geothermal plants as a separate entity. Mm. Um, so it's a really interesting business model because if you look at the geothermal wells and plants as, as your mine, I mean, this is the, the, this is the gear that's sort of bringing your, your raw material product up to the surface. The mine basically pays for itself before you've even extracted a product from it and sold that. So mm. um, the geothermal should make, should um, uh, support itself as a standard operation. It should pay back its own capital and, produce a sort of infra-type return mm-hmm. um, before you even start extracting the lithium. So um, it, it should be a very low-cost operation indeed. So uh, where are you at with the uh, definitive feasibility study? So it's progressing well. Um, we expect to uh, to get it finished sort of towards the end of the year. Um, we've had a pilot plant that's been operating, extracting lithium from the brine at our inside geothermal plant for um, for every year now, that's been going really well, um, producing um, you know plus ninety percent uh, lithium recoveries. Um, that's been informing the DFS. Um, so it, it, it's it's been going well. It's obviously you know it, it's a highly complex project with a lot of moving parts. So it's just about drawing all of those different parts uh, together. And what we plan to do is um, for our phase one, uh, we'll do the the DFS. Um, and we'll, at the same time, we intend to announce a phase two PFS, an updated PFS, right. and then we'll roll straight into the DFS for phase two as well. So that should give um, our stakeholders kind of an idea of how big we think the project's going to be with that phase two development as well. Mm. And it seems to be uh, potentially closer at hand than uh, most people would assume. Uh, you, the company's still thinking 2024, 2025, thereabouts, for first production of lithium? Yeah, that's right. So we're sort of, we're at the back end of 2024 at the moment. Um, it, it is tight. And I mean, um, we're, we're constantly sort of reviewing that and updating that. So, I mean, I think everybody is in the same boat, basically, at the moment. The global supply chains are just in an unprecedented mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to monitor that um, that timeline carefully. But yes, that's, that's still the target date. 
And Francis, just finally, I guess we have to touch on the 52-week high for the stock it was 16.65 and uh, $8.12, $8 still phenomenal growth in the last couple of years. But what is uh, that uh, that retracement to $8.12 tell us? Well, I think there's been a correction across the board and mm. um, particularly the last last sort of couple of months. Um, so I think th th there's a bit of sort of, you know, global macro um, uh, change there that's, that's, um, uh, that, that's that sort of um, enabled that pushback. But um, I, I think if you look at um, the analysts that cover us, I think th there's a, a pretty good consensus that we're, we're quite undervalued now. So, um, um, I mean, for, for, from our perspective, we just put our heads down and, and focus on the, the project execution. I, I think if we looked at the share price every day, we, we, we'd probably go mad um, <laughs> because it, does, it doesn't really necessarily always follow logic. So um, we, we, we're just cracking on and um, I mean, we're, we're convinced that given where we are, given the quality of the resource, the quality of the team, you know, we've got 120 personnel um, uh, split between the geothermal side, the lithium side will be double that um, by the end of the year. Right. Um, uh, quality of the assets, that we've got good cash position that we've got as well. I, I think um, you know we'll, we'll we'll see that value come through um, eventually. But um, uh, yeah, we just have, we just have to put our heads down and get on with it. Mm, yeah, having said that, it has been a market cap of a billion dollars with uh, some re-rating events coming up. I was just wondering, uh, could you give uh, investors finally just a little bit of feel for some uh, milestones that uh, could become re-rating events uh, as the rest of the year unfolds? Yeah, absolutely. So we already touched on DFS. So <clears throat> I think that's going to be um, that's that's going to be a major catalyst. Um, so phase one DFS, phase two PFS. That'll be towards the end of the year. But in the meantime, there'll be there'll be other um, uh, things that will go into that. So we do intend to update our global resource. We we have a resource which um, covers just three of our eleven licenses. Um, so we're looking at adding more resource um, uh, to the sort of project pipeline from the other areas. Um, we'll be providing updates on our um, pilot and our new demonstration plant as well, which is a much bigger beast um, uh, in terms of uh, sort of scale up to commercial. So mm -hmm. um, we'll be updating investors on that um, pretty regularly in the weeks and months to come as that sort of goes through con construction and into um, commissioning and production. Uh, look, the, the, the team is going to grow. We're also working on discussions with um, strategic investors as well. So um, including with some off takers, yeah. there's a potential for um, for one of those guys to actually come into the project for some equity. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be a major catalyst, I think, going forward for us as well. That's what we're working on. Um, but otherwise, it's all about project execution and growth of the project. Um, so investors should expect to see um, plenty of updates on that in the, the weeks and months to come. Fantastic. Okay, there we go, folks. Uh, one for the ages there, zero carbon lithium in uh, Europe. Lots of news flow to come, as Francis has uh, just outlined there. So one to watch in coming months. So Francis, thanks for your time today. Uh, very interesting story and good luck with it all. Thanks so much, Barry. Thanks for having me on. Cheers.